You're listening to the Accordion to Me podcast with Veronique Medrano. On this week's episode, we get to chat with author and artist Pablo Leon as he discusses what it's like working in animation for major companies like Disney, Warner Brothers, and DreamWorks, as well as discussing finding personal purpose with art that is created for yourself and not losing your artistic vision when working in a corporate environment. As some of you know, early in 2020, I was in an accident. The consequences that you have to live with after can be a lot. You can lose your car, you can lose work and therefore money, and you can of course be super injured and have huge hospital bills to pay. No bueno. So if like me, you've been the victim of an accident, you need a professional to help you get the care you need. In case of an accident, you need a lawyer to protect your rights and your wallet and you don't have to look any further than that simple phrase by going to the URL in caseofanaccident.com for a free consultation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if the person that suffered the accident wasn't you, but maybe it was your tia or your abuelita or something, don't worry. Everyone at In Case of an Accident speaks Spanish. They can even take messages through WhatsApp at 888-990-0911. So if you or a loved one have suffered through a horrible car accident like me, visit the team at incaseofanaccident.com for more help. Just don't forget to tell them that Veronique Medrano from Accordion to Me sent you. Hi, everyone. My name is Veronique, and this is the Accordion to Me podcast. And today we have our special guest, Pablo Leon, author and artist from Guatemala, currently living in California. His original comic, The Journey, was nominated in 2019 for an Eisner Award. This amazing artist has worked with Warner Brothers Animation, Oddbot Inc., DreamWorks Animation, Bento Box Entertainment, and more. And recently, the big thing that he's worked on is illustrating the Miles Morales Shockwaves graphic novel for Marvel slash Scholastic. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. And you, do, you do a way better job than I do for introducing myself. I'm really bad at that. But thank you. That was great. Yeah. I'm going to clip it. I'm going to clip it and send it to you so that you can send it to everyone. Now I need to like, write it on my hand. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. I know I kind of gave people a little bit of a rundown, but especially with the the recent work that you did with Marvel and Scholastic. I mean, is that something that you normally do? Just a mixture of books and uh, television productions or film productions? No, my job and the dream, I guess, was always like work in animation. And that was that was it. I think sometime a few years ago, that's when I, I you know, TV is is very much a, um, you know, it's a group effort. And we're all kind of, to put it like, you know, in a better way, we're kind of like cogs, but we all, we're all aware we're cogs. You know, we're all building this big thing. You know, I just I just really wanted to tell different stories at the time that I felt that TV animation was, or just animation in general wasn't like going in there, going into like the the stuff that I like, which at the time it was just, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, like horrible news situations that were happening around the country, especially with like, you know, Latino communities, like border situation and all that stuff. So that's when I started making comics. So I was like, well, I can just do this 
when I clock out and no one can tell me anything. Like, and, and now I'm not making anything out of this. This is just for me. Yeah, that's how it started. I love how you put the disclaimer. Well, I'm out of work, so they can't tell me what to do. <laughs> You're like, I d- I'm not doing this on company time. I have clocked out like that little scene in uh, the Flintstones where you're like, click and you're gone. But um, it's interesting that you bring up the fact that you you were doing stuff that was more world news related, because something that that really intrigued me is your blog. The fact mm-hmm. that um, there was a, a portion of it that you released called the history of the central american gang problem and this was something that you did in collaboration with latino usa and so i'm Um, curious how does it make you feel to illustrate these topics so that wasn't a collaboration i i just asked them i just emailed them hey can i this is really good can i make this because at the time i was like um you know i had partnered with another friend to this is way back in like 2014 or so, 14, 15. I had partnered up with a friend that she had come in contact with a lot of kids that had come on a company from Central America. And she was like, hey, you know, you want to put your skills to good use. This like these stories are very, they weren't even reaching like, you know, news or anything. So why don't we talk to them, put something together. But that was around the time when they put out that, that podcast because, uh, I can't speak for for any other countries. I can't speak for Mexico or anything. But in Central America, we have this like it, it's the whole gang problem is it's a mess. <laughs> in most in Guatemala and El Salvador, we jump from like a civil war straight to a, a gang war, more or less. So you know we didn't have a break. And I was in like that episode. They did a really good job explaining it. So I was like, yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, the blog. Uh, it's a lot of stuff, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of, of time because uh-huh. obviously they're comics and I could just write a whole wall and just put it there. But instead I'm like, well, this is a better way for people to understand these things. So they do take a little bit. And there's only like three entries now, but uh-huh. um, I was just more or less really tired and no one was saying anything about it more widely. Do you f- still feel that that's still an issue? At this moment in time, like you did this about four or five years ago, mm-hmm. but do you feel that it's still an issue? The fact mm-hmm. that it's still not being re- like it's I know I've heard rumblings, but it's still not where it needs to be, at least from the passion that you're giving and, and describing it. Yes, I think it's getting better due to the circumstances of the last like five years in the country for you know, la- lack of a, a better term. This orange man really pointed put a laser point on everything. So I think people were more aware of uh, these systematic problems that um, a lot of the Latino communities were having um, that were otherwise being more like subdued or more quiet. I don't know if, if it's going to stay that way. To be honest, I'm really glad. Sometimes it's a little, it feels a little performative. It's like, oh, they're trying to get it for clout. But, you know, as long as like the information gets out there, I suppose that's good. Um, <laughs> Asking this in like two years, maybe it'll be different. Yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be different. But at (laughs) least for right now, just given everything, you feel like there's more of a progression of more information being out. Um, And I guess with that being said, 
and I know that you say that it does take you a bit because you don't just do a blog like a regular blog. You don't, you don't just, just write words and then that's it. You, you add your artistic element to it. What was the feedback that you got from people who, who read it or who kind of just stumbled upon it in some way or another? So in the beginning, like there was maybe like three people that read it, but that was really good because it, it only took one person that was like, Hey, I'm a, I'm the editor of uh, this this news website. It was called Rewire. They were like, we, we really like what you're doing. It really lines up to to what we do. Do you have a story that you want to pitch to us? Which I was like, this 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 is what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you're, you're like this, yeah. this thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's where um, the journey was born, which was, you know, I mentioned it earlier, the ISO nominated. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of put, put it on the map a little. It's been mostly positive because most um, cartoonists and most uh, storytellers, they don't focus on, they focus on certain problems when it comes to like the border, but they don't focus on where did this start? Why did this start? You know, let's go back a little kind of thing. Or sometimes they don't even focus on Central America at all. So I thought it had a good response uh, sometimes I, you know, I get the usual like, oh, you guys should just go back and fix your country thing. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know. You know what, if, what I, if I could do that, I would. Like, it's kind of yeah. one of those situations where, where you, in your brain, you're like, the logic isn't there <laughs> for what you're saying I should do. Okay, yeah, I can, I can explain it, but am I going to waste my time here? Is this worth it? But other than that, it's it's been pretty, it's been a pretty good um response i've gotten a lot of there's been a lot of positives that have come out of it there's a lot of things that things that i can't say because there are projects that are ongoing that came mm-hmm. from that but oh that's awesome uh, yeah yeah but otherwise well, then been, stay tuned yeah. for pablo's work possibly having to do with something like that and and that was going to be my 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 kind of next question which was you know you've worked on you know projects like um like the awesomes Mm -hmm. and um oh my goodness and i'm um i'm trying to remember the other one uh dc super supergirls super superhero girls yeah dc superhero girls which for me was hilarious and of course the recent (laughs) reboot of the animaniacs so do you feel working in that environment and kind of seeing how these how they kind of interact with each other how these people who professionally interact with each other gave you a little bit of an edge now to be able to push some of these projects. Um, we're not going to say what they are because they're obviously mm-hmm. still in development and still working, but did they give you a bit of an edge to kind of have better conversations um, with people mm-hmm. who do not understand that? Cause you have a very particular story to tell that is very Latin centered and it's hard. It's hard to push yeah. those stories out. But do you feel all those experiences with these big properties and these big companies and seeing how they work allowed you to do that a little bit better? To a degree, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't want to go full negative here. Uh, I of just. Course. I think understanding how. I don't know the production world. I don't want to say the Hollywood world because that sounds so like. Uh, I don't know bougie or something, but. Um, I usually say the industry just to, yes. just to be safe. That's the best way to say it. Um, yeah. So, you know, 
being able to see how the industry works from the inside, it's been amazing. You know, a portion of what we do and how things move only gets out to the to the real world, I guess. And it's also really heartbreaking because you see all these like amazing people and amazing stories and projects that just complete just just never just absolutely end in development hell and or or just they don't happen. So that has given me a lot of um, insight on how I want to proceed and, and and do my own work. And I'm still fairly like I don't want to say completely new. I've been, I've been doing this for like. Know, eight years maybe uh-huh. not sure yet <laughs> i don't know what time is anymore the pandemic does that to you I, I have no idea what time it is either i think it's one time and i'm like oh no it's dark yeah yeah i, w- I would say it's, it's giving me insight in the sense that I, I i know what i know what the hollywood machine wants uh-huh. at certain times and i can kind of navigate it you know it's and that's that's as far as i go with that you know i uh-huh. Same thing with publishing. Like now that I'm, I'm more aware of what's what they want or what is what is asked of people, and it's you know sometimes it's great, sometimes it's a little heartbreaking. Um, you know, yeah, having that inside knowledge is great and also very sad. Oh no! So you point out the sad, and I know we focus on the positive part right now. What is what is something that you would, in part, almost as as something that isn't widely known that you can actually share that somebody else listening who loves animation, who loves this type of work needs to kind of swallow. It's like the, 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 the red pill or the blue pill. It's like one of those things where you're, you're taking the pill and you're like, okay, now I know what I'm walking into, what I'm aware of that way. It doesn't feel so jarring. Um, when they come in like versus being wide, wide and doe eyed. And they kind of come in with a little bit of like, okay, I'm not completely new and green. I can kind of expect this type of reaction. Well, I think like for one, like if you're not a little bit scared, you're probably not ready because nothing is what it seems most of the time. Like I mentioned before, we, we everyone has some idea of what the work is, but it's that times 10 and then it moves away from that. So just being having a sense of, I don't want to say scared, but just being like mindful. And I would say the other thing is, and this is something that I heard from um, Jorge Gutierrez once, uh, and it was really good and it's really stuck with me, especially in the last like two years, two, three years. It's like we spent like the entire, the entirety of our careers, like, trying to be better artists, just, you know, being good at good draftsmen, good at our jobs. And I think it's important that we spend some time like, you know, working on trying to say, trying to say something with our art. And as production artists, you know, we're the, I don't know, some days I, I, I feel like I'm not really an artist because we're just designers. We're, we're, we're designers for hire, but you know, after after he said that, I was like, you know, like yeah, it's, it's true. I I I've spent all my life working for someone else for somebody else's vision, you know. But w- what am I trying to say? So that really like opened opened my eyes a little bit. So 
and you know that was this was like recently as well so yeah and and i will say jorge is just uh he's just such a wealth of knowledge he's one of these yeah. people in the industry that's just this warm this warm light of course he can also be he can also like protect himself as well so don't don't think that this person is at all a pushover what i'm saying is in the art world and for two artists even myself i i just i am a musician and and you know i i do artwork like just for myself not like not like the way you guys do it but um you know for production i just do paintings and stuff like that it's very i feel like technically it's slightly different just because of the work, but mm -hmm. he's just such a warm, inviting, knowledgeable person. And I think it just comes from that experience from the fact that, yeah, he's, he's been through it. Like if anyone's yeah. going to tell us what happened, it's going to be the guy who has like been through the paces and now is at like, it's almost like he, it feels like he's on the other side of it. Finally. Like he's I think a lot of us have watched him go through this, this journey together and we're like rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've heard him talk and he's always like, it's like he ran down the mountain and then we ran back and it's like, Oh, he's telling us everything about it. And he's like, Oh my God. <laughs> so we're all, we're all taking notes all the time. And, but yeah, no, that's, that's, I think for me, that's important. Just being able to like, you know, have something to say, have something to say with your art, whether it's comics, whether it's writing, whether it's like music, anything. I think having that and not always just like being like, just always thinking about what does Disney want? What does Warner Brothers want? You know, what about what you want? What do you want? What do you want to say? You know, so. Do you feel that that might have been a decision um, or might have been a deciding factor in you um, being a part of the Miles Morales project? in any way, shape or form, because he is considered, you know, Afro Latino. So yeah. it's, this isn't, this isn't like, Oh, you know, you're, you're just drawing Peter Parker mm -hmm. or you're just drawing Wanda uh, from, you know, Scarlet Witch. It's not like any yeah. of those properties. This is a very Latino centric Latinx Afro Latino project. Did that at all cross your mind or, you know, in, in making that decision? Yeah. I mean, for one, it was really weird uh, when, when I got approached because I was like, I, have you seen my work you know like i mean <laughs> i've been writing about all these like you know sad you know central american kids stories are, are you sure um initially i don't like i'm just i'm just gonna say it i don't like superheroes i really don't and i know i know how how bad that sounds because i've worked with like all of these superheroes and stuff but I was about um, to say, you've worked with, with the DC superhero girls know, and then you I go know. from Marvel. But I mean, at the end of the day, some people, they, that's not what gravitates them. That's not what pulls yeah. them in. That's not their, their bread and butter. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I used to like them. It's just like there was a point in my life where it was like, you know, things were really dark. And then like superhero stories were even darker. And uh, they also never have an ending. And I'm like... <laughs> Like oh I, I just That's the truth. Yeah, I just can't 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 do this. So I, I, I kind of stopped and, and got out, get away from that. But yeah, when they when they mentioned Spider Man, I was like, I was really interesting. And then they said Miles, I was like, Oh yeah. I said yes because I, I know how much he means to like, you know, Latinos and Afro Latinos and I wanted to be involved in some way. <laughs> and I initially thought that I was just gonna draw it, but then I I just I was like, No, I wanna do the whole thing. It's, this is this is a big project you know and i don't know why i convinced them i don't know why i did that you know like 
I suffered later, but <laughs> it works out. It all works out. Um, yeah, I, you know, over the last few years, uh, and it's, you know, I mostly would like to focus on, you know, more you know, picking and choosing what I want. And what I want is to, like, you know, bring up more, you know, Latino stories that I feel like resonate with everyone and myself and just, just kind of, like, I feel like there's, we're getting better, but it's still pretty slow. Do you feel that there's enough representation and enough, because you're, you're saying it's getting better, but it's slow. Mm. When you go into, you know, a, a studio environment or just an mm. environment in general that's kind of to, to the effect of what you do, do you feel that there's enough representation of different people, not just the same Anglo vision and the Anglo lens and you have a variety of people on staff or is it still like you said kind of it's almost like they're sprinkling it with salt but not just dousing it (laughs) (laughs) it's similar it's getting there I uh I mean you've heard that that phrase of it's just as important to have it behind the camera as in front of the camera yes Uh, exactly when I came to the states I was already like little older so what i saw that was happening was that dora the explorer was like pretty much the only thing around and i saw that that explosion happening and you know um but you know dora the explorer the people who made it are not you know they're not mexican they're not latinos they're so i think it's getting a little better i think we can do with more people but also letting them have us have more of a say because you can bring as many Latinos, Afro Latinos, and Indigenous people as we want. But if we're gonna like filter that through, I don't know, a tube to make it easier for other people to digest it, and if that sacrifices the storytelling, I don't know if that's a good thing. So do you feel that the hiring is, is then performative? It's just like, yes. oh, look, we have we have the skin colors here, but that's about it. Like like we like <laughs> like you were saying earlier, you're you guys are just cogs. You you don't you're, you're just a placeholder and that's it. More or less. Yeah, I would say this, though, like we're cogs, but, you know, we're aware at least that we're cogs. We, we know and we know that we're building something. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of against we're building it for for somebody else and we're doing the best that we can and we are aware of that part but as far as the other thing it is a little soul crushing and i i think again i think it is getting better because you know we're getting not just like artists doing this now like you know we have like executives like coming in like being like we we need that specific type of like latino in power (laughs) you know more latinos in power in executive positions i am aware that they don't always work out great (laughs) But of course. Um, it's a work in progress and yeah. we're kind of progressing. And it's yeah. interesting that you brought up Dora the Explorer. Um, do you, in your mind, let's just say you were in these mm-hmm. in a position to, to be in that space or, you know, just your visual, your vision. Do you think knowing what you know about the, the team behind Dora the Explorer, do you think it would be different if there was more you know, Latinos, Mexicanos, whether they're writing it or anything that could add to Dora? Because Dora is considered just like a children's, you know, yeah. programming. It's like she's up there with SpongeBob. She's up there with 
with Sesame Street at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you feel like that would have changed, you know, the perception of Mexicans and Latinos in the United States had it just been sh- like just visually or something, just something different with uh, with people that were Mexican or Latino? Yeah, I think it would have the shift would have happened earlier. I think for a, for a long time, and I don't want to blame Dora for this entirely, but, you know, shows like that and the way that the American Latino experience happened is that we became an umbrella as, you know, we're all this under this one umbrella here. And, you know, we kind of just like let go of the individual cultural things that made us like different. I think, I think if, uh, if somebody had been like, no, there is no, like, no one has a monkey in Mexico. I, I'm just, I'm just making this up. Maybe, maybe somebody does have one. But You're like, I'm sorry to the person who has a monkey in yeah. Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mean it as this, but, but, you know, let's just pretend that there's no one in Mexico that has a monkey. And maybe they could have come up with something more, like, culturally close to that. And I feel like that would have been more, I don't know. They almost made the character bring- ambiguous. Like they they weren't Latino in the sense of they they weren't like like South American, but then they also weren't Mexican. They were just really ambiguous about this particular character. At least that's how I felt a lot of these episodes were. Like they would yes, throw these yes. random places that she would go that hit both cultures kind of. That it was just it was it was never centered in one or the other, which is fine, yeah. but it it felt a little odd. Yeah, and that's and that's where I'm. Uh, I've had this this issue, especially in the last couple of years, when not even last couple last year, when things got weird in this country, and everyone was like, "Why did Latinos vote for this or for that?" And it's like because we're all different, you know. You you know you can't have you can match all these cultures if you want and to appeal everyone, but you know it, that kind of takes out the the individualism of, of each culture like not to not to dunk on, on we're going this route huh? not to dunk on in the heights but you know it's <laughs> kind of the same thing like they they wanted to appeal to all these things when you know it's clear that where the setting where they were and the people that live in this place it's like they just they were like they saw them and they, they were like, okay, you know. Do you feel it was whitewashed? Yeah, a little bit. I think I think it goes back to what uh, what I was saying. It's that 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 filter. It's just filtered for easy viewing for everyone else. Um, I guess when I say when I say that, I'm like, I, and you say everyone else, and I'm like, oh, I like already everyone. know who you know, no, 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 but I know what you mean because I feel like you know Afro Latinos. You know, Latinos, Mexicanos, we're not all the same. We don't all look the same. Yeah. Um, you know, Me- Mexicanos from South Texas are going to look and act way differently than Mexicanos from California, you know, and, and, and you know, Chicanos. And, and it's just or, you know, even all the way up to Seattle and Oregon, because they're up there, like the migrant families are so different depending on where they're at. So you mm-hmm. can't assume that everyone's the same. There's certain like thematic things or like. Yeah. Certain certain yeah. cultural things that do blend that do blend across, but there there are so few. I guess that's well, I was, where yeah, I was I was curious about because that's funny that you bring up in the heights because it is a hot topic for that exact reason. 
Well, for, for Miles, uh, you know, I'm not Puerto Rican. So, and I, I brought this up too. I was like, when, when they offered me the job, I was like, hey, listen, I'm not Puerto Rican. So I can do what I can. We share a culture. There's a lot of things we, we have, but, you know, and I will be as respectful as possible. I did all my research, but at the end of the day, like there are things that I'm not going to nail because it's not me. It's not my culture. So, you know, things like, um, I, well, I put it in the book and it's something that, uh, I don't know if everyone else, I don't know if your family has that, but my family used to have these like three, or these, like elephants, like little elephant, like figurines. Yes. And, yes. My grandmother yeah. has those. You're right. And my grandmother had that and my mom has it. I grew up with, when I grew up in Guatemala, they had them and here they have them. And like some of my friends and when I, I, I lived in Maryland for, for a long time and a lot of my friends' parents had them. And I was like, at some point I was like, there's, what's going on here? You know, like. Is and, there a significance? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a whole, there, they talk about how like one, one is like for good luck, one is for the, something else and something else. I don't know. I, I was kind of like, you know, this is a really cool thing that we all share. So I'm going to slap this in this book. But yeah, stuff like that, you know, like I said, we, we share a culture and that's fine. But we also have to be mindful that for me, at least, I had to be mindful that because I'm not from the island. So, mm-hmm. And did it worry you? Did it worry you, you know, doing that project and they were just trying I'm to... I'm worried every to pick day. Some, <laughs> Like, you're worried that someone's going to say something? Because I'm assuming so far it's been pretty it's been pretty well received, mm-hmm. but are you worried at any point in time that somebody's just going to get a wild hair and just lose it because you are not Puerto Rican? I think so. I, I do. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I kind of do, you know, the best that I can do is like take the feedback and, you know, hear them out. And if there is a next time, I'll you'll do better. I'll do what I can. Yeah, I'll do better. You know, it's really funny though, because I'm writing another story, which is about, my own culture, my own country. And um, I'm kind of afraid also of what somebody would say. And it's, I was talking to a friend about this, how weird it is that, you know, it's not just me. I, every other like POC always feels like they're going to have like a huge backlash for, for even writing about their own culture. And then everyone else, I, there's a, there's a word again. Everyone else, uh, just sort the of like infam- the, like this blob. It's an it's just a gelatinous blob of like that's kind of the way I see it online, especially. <laughs> it's just this it's just this blob of people that I call everyone because yeah. they are on the other side of a screen. I don't know who they are, and they are gonna judge me all of a sudden. But do you think that's yeah. like just imposter syndrome, like coming at you? Oof. Yeah, I think it, you know culture is a trick and. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, our culture is very complicated. Uh, yes. And then you have a very different vibe in the American Latino experience. And I usually land on, I'll do what I can. I'll do my best. It's weird how this is a, a thing that rings a lot. Like, uh, Are you worried that somebody's going to say something about you writing about your own country? And it's like, yes, I am. And that makes no sense. But here we are. And then, you know, I turn around and I see somebody else, you know, a, a white person doing it with no regret. And I'm like, oh, OK. That's oh, my God. Too. The facts. So. The facts are so loud in this room. Sorry, I got really like 
no, spicy I, here. <laughs> no, it's okay. And and honestly, this is something that I've seen a lot of where, you know, despite everything, despite the things that may not be good about, uh, you know, some people may argue about certain pieces that are created by Mexicanos or Latinx or Latinos um, going out there. Like they created it and they put it out there and they are just like fed to the wolves. But yet uh, every single day, a Anglo white person can put out the wildest thing. And it's like, oh my God, Oscar nominated. Oh my God, the most craziest thing I've ever seen. Oh my God, Sundance Award. You know, like all these all these accolades for doing the bare minimum. And yes, well, this is what I mean. This is what I mean is so things are so slow because, you know, we are getting something, but then we still get, you know, what you just mentioned, all of that every day. So... You were mentioning about like darkness and that you were at a dark point in your life and you were just and and then on top of that, the comics were dark and it's just everything was just dark, dark, dark. And and it's just gotten to a level, at least at this point, where now it's almost like there's a shift going on, like with shows like The Good Place, Ted Lasso, you know, the recent release of Luca, where they're not centered around like this like darkness, like they're, these, these projects are just not centered on this deep, dark story of trauma and, and all that happens. So mm-hmm. um, do you feel that we've, we're starting to reach the end of like dark drama, trauma type of stories? I mean, I feel like eventually we'll go back to it, but yeah, right now it, I can't, you know, deny I re- I'm really enjoying the, the, the wholesome hero thing going on. I, you're right, like Luca was just like, you know, it wasn't so heavy. It was just like, here's two kids. They're having fun in an <laughs> island or in, in yeah. Italy. Great. <laughs> and that was, that was it. And it, I, I had a great time with that. And same thing with Miles. Like my, Miles Morales was, you know, there are like, obviously it's a Spider-Man uh, comic, so it needs like action. But, you know, in general, it was just like a very wholesome and, and you know, feel good story and you know i i yeah i kind of want that right now i i feel like we we went through uh some really harsh shit uh stuff sorry no, no um, it's okay you can curse i'm not beeping uh, you out though i'm not i'm not oh, pulling a right. spongebob and going ee! like no it's not <laughs> happening <laughs> you say how you feel sir <laughs> yeah yeah we just went through some really harsh shit in the last like you know five ten years in the in the country and then not to mention like the entirety of the latin american like history so of course like i feel like we're all just sick of like the the edgy things we just need like a little bit of like good things you know like just, just levity just for a little yeah just a little bit it's it's i don't know <laughs> sometimes i feel like a lot of I don't know if it's because they're trying to also shift and add more adult animations, like animations not so much geared towards preteens, young adults and, you know, children that were getting these like animated stories that are just they just go from zero to 100. Like they're they're just so dark, so gory, so bloody. And I'm just like, why can't I have just something simple? Why can't I have just something chill? I mean, that's that's definitely a, a big topic among animation people and comics people as well like just because it's adult doesn't mean it has to be raunchy or has to be a comedy it can just be like you know dealing with with stuff that we as adults deal like you know loss uh regrets and aging 
Yeah. Oh my God, AJ. Rent? <laughs> Somebody, we had to pay rent. No one, no one ever pays rent in all these things. Like no one worries about that stuff. Just, just things that I think would resonate to to us more. And I, I the moment I you add rent, you're already gonna like make it too real for people. Just the anxiety just sitting in there. Yeah. Oh so my God. It's definitely something that that a lot of people have been asking. We're, we've been asking for it. We're, we're trying to push it whether it happens or, or hopefully it happens within the next, you know, three or four years. I mean, something like uh, Tuca and Birdie are, you know, it's a very, oh, like, my God, yes. you know, wonky show, but it it hits so many, like, chords of, like, this is adulthood, this is, like, heartbreak, this is just, it's, it's a lot, and it's Harassment great. at work, like, uh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Like, the way they, I was so heartbroken initially when it got canceled season one. And I was like, oh, my God, like what? There is so much you could do with this. And then when Adult Swim ended up just swooping it up and picking it up, which I'm hoping it does, it does better and it stays on. But something about that show, like, you know, the, their first episode is dealing with, you know, finding a therapist and then, you know, yeah. dealing with having a conversation with your boss about going to therapy. And the boss is like... I don't go to therapy and he's like crying like <laughs> like you know that that co- that almost p- making fun of the fact that bosses say that they're perfectly fine and yet really we all know they're not it's, they're just as messed up as we are it's also like a very like previous generation latino family kind of thing <laughs> oh my god yes that's a, that's another can to open so i don't know oh my god we won't open it today maybe, yeah. maybe between you and i we'll just talk about it but not not for the podcast you know that little emoji the little wallet with the little wings on it just flying away that's me right now i'm the advertiser this is an ad for me veronique go listen to my album i have two out right now Crying and La Novela off of Next Gen Latinx Records. All jokes aside, please go listen to the music on your favorite streaming platform or buy it online at veroniquemedrano.com. And I mean it. Go listen to it. Go listen to it at your mom's house. Because I mean, if you don't listen to her, at least listen to me. And that's been your paid ad. There was something that I found super interesting and, and uh, we'll end it off with these last two kind of um, things that I noticed or things mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you. But for sure, there was something that I noticed um, that you described that you went to the McDonald's School of Art. That was so <laughs> I'm sorry that literally I literally turned my head like because I was listening to something where you described it. You've spoken with other people about it. And I was just like, mm-hmm. wait, what? <laughs> wait, the McDonald's School of Art? Who? Why didn't anyone tell me? Of course, you. Um, I'd like for you to describe what that is and why you describe it like that. Because I'm under the, when I think of McDonald's, I think of fast, cheap, and easy. But that also, that's, that's, a, that's not so much of a good thing. It's kind of like a last resort. Like you go yeah. to McDonald's as the last resort. So I am curious what you meant by that and uh, and your experience with art school. Well, it definitely wasn't cheap, unfortunately. So I went to uh, an art institute. They're everywhere. I guess for anyone that doesn't know about them, they're 
they're pretty much litter all over the country. I don't want to say they're like a scam school, but they're definitely like a, a very for-profit. You know, they're very pushy. They don't really like help you also get work afterwards. The graduation rate is so bad. Why I went there? <laughs> After I graduated high school, I applied to uh, MICA. It's a Maryland Institute of Art and Design. Very popular, big school over there. They turned me down twice. I applied to SVA in New York. They also turned me down. So I kind of spent a few years just kind of doing nothing. I know that a lot of people have their own stories where they go out. Oh, you know, I went to high school, then I went to art school, and then I went to Disney. And it's like, no, I, I hate to admit it, but that's not my story. I, I bounced around a lot of retail jobs. I, I, I lived in Maryland, the D.C., Maryland area at the time. And um, I, was, I was working at a... I was working at a Levi's store, and this guy that I used to work in another place showed up. Now I don't. I'm not going to blame it on him, but <laughs> he showed He's up. Like, hey, and, it's not and, his fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of like the guy. I he was he was okay. Uh, he was he just showed up to shop, and I was I was working there, and he didn't even look at me. He was just like, you know, why did you quit the other place if you're just gonna be doing the same thing here? And it was like the most like backhanded comment. I was so. It's like that petty energy just like bubbled up and, you know, across the, 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 it was like a couple of blocks away was that art institute. And I think that same week, that's when I just signed up for it. So I was like, I can't keep doing this forever. Also, you know, screw that guy because he made me feel bad. But, Your villain uh, origin story started yeah. at Levi's. I'm going to remember that. If you ever make something and there's some <laughs> evil villain wearing some really tight jeans, I'm going to be like, ah, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I do wear tight jeans. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad habit now with, with Levi's. Thanks, Levi's. Um, so as, as far as like, it wasn't a good school in a sense that, okay, I would say this, that the teachers were really nice and a lot of them are, you know, I'm still friends with some of them. It's just that I don't think they were ready or they knew what the industry standards are. And they changed every so years. Like the stuff that we're doing now in, in animation production is very different than what we were doing five years ago or what they were doing like 10 years ago. So, so what you were doing in school is definitely not what you're no, dealing with now at all. I don't know at all. I, I made a portfolio for illustration and 10 years ago, I, I, after I was about to graduate, and then 10 years ago, I came to to L.A. for a convention, like an animation convention. Mm -hmm. And um, and I just showed my portfolio around. It was like garbage. And it was like nothing that I had there was, was usable or even close to what I was I, I needed to have. And I just came back, and I was very angry about it because I was like, oh, I spent three years. Like I, I went into debt, and I'm, what the hell? So, and this was the Art Institute in, in Maryland, the one that you initially said, the Art Institute, yeah. uh, the Maryland. I'm sorry, just say, just say it one more time, so just so I remember. Oh, no, no, this, this was the Art Institute. Uh, the Art Institute of Washington, that's what, that's okay. what it was. Um, okay. No, the other school is MICA. Mm -hmm. MICA, okay. But yeah. you went to the, the Art Institute in Washington, okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah. by the end of it, did you get a degree? Because you said you, you ended up graduating, correct? Am I Okay, mm -hmm. and you got a degree in animation or a degree in illustration? In animation, Okay. So it's called media arts and animation. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. And like you said, it it just did not prepare you for what you would end up dealing with. And so, 
I always wonder about like job rejection is so weird and a lot of people don't talk about it. When you went in and you did all of that and you received your first rejection and, you know, these people are like, yeah, this isn't this isn't what we're looking for. You said you were upset. It's, it's embarrassing. I mean, to me, at least it was it's like, you know, you show up to a place and you think you're doing OK. And then like, what do you say? Like, you just like smile and like, oh, OK. And I guess, how did you, how did you persevere? Like, what did you do? I mean, yes, like all of us kind of go through that, like, oh, I'm so upset. I'm embarrassed. (laughs) I'm, I'm like, like what happened? Take us through the stages of this before you kind of came back around. And how did you manage to change stuff for the next time? I did what most people do. I just went online and I started like looking at other artists that were doing the same thing that I wanted to do. And just sort of like, like a sponge, just like, just, seeing every doing everything that they were doing like just redoing it redrawing it for myself and and just to see what their thought process was i, I took a bunch of online classes which i was the other the other thing that you asked like what, what do i think about art school i don't think it's necessary if let's say if you're you're from here if mm-hmm. if you're living here and you don't need it if you don't need it for the visa or anything don't bother like just Almost every other artist has this, an online school now. The yes. artists that have worked on stuff or have directed, like, you know, all, all the movies that we watch, like, and they're way more affordable. Like, you can rewatch them every time you want. You know, if if you want access to them, just get on social media. Just bug, just bug them on Twitter or something. You know, there's, there's just way more reach now, and it's not worth getting, you know, going into, like, 50, 100K on, on depth. Now, let's just say there's places that want a degree. Does it really matter where your degree is from? No. I mean, realistically, like, does it really matter? Like, you go to a community college, get your degree, or go to, like, a like a regular mm-hmm. college instead of going to these design schools? Do you, do you feel that there's a, that it really matters? Like, as long as you get a degree, you're, you're good, and then, you know, your work should speak for itself? Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't think it matters anymore. I think at some point it used to matter, um, you know, we put like something like like SCAD in Atlanta or sorry in, in Georgia. You know, they had and they have really good like big brand name teachers, but they've also haven't worked in a proper industry setting in so long that they don't know what's what's going on now. So and that then it's up to like the student to look that up, and then the student is like, well, why am I doing this? And why am I doing this? Somebody should be doing that for me. So. For me, in my opinion, I don't think it's worth it. It, I mean, you absolutely can get like really great friendships out of it and people that you will eventually like, I don't know, work together. You can work together like for years with someone that you met from school. But I feel like unless, unless it's necessary as a visa requirement or you know, for international students or something like that, I don't think it's, I don't think art school is worth it right now. I, I mean, there has to be a, a this is just me speaking from like, for like from the American, experience. yeah, and and also for like the whole like American system of art schools because they're very privatized and very expensive. I mean, maybe in five years that will change. I don't think so, but you know, maybe they will become free. Allah, <laughs> then, then I'm maybe, going back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, if it's free. <laughs> but yeah, I think for for what for what we do, as long as to work, if you can do the work. You don't need a degree. It's like half of the people that I work don't have degrees. So. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, just to kind of finish it off, um, is there any 
backgrounds from video games or any stuff that just kind of speaks to you artistically from video games, music, uh, I'm sorry, movies or art that uh, you would recommend to anyone to just kind of give them an idea of what inspires you? Oof. Um, the Book of Life, the first time I watched that, it was so unapologetically Mexican. Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, this, that's what I want to do. You know, I, I was like, I was just fresh out of school when that, when that came out. So, so that's what I feel like. I, I know we talked about Jorge with Jared before, but yeah, he's like, that's, that's one. I, I have to say that Into the Spider-Verse is like, was a massive influence for just, oh not just for God, the book, yes. for the Max Morales book, but in general, it was like, there was so much. It did so much. Just, yeah, <laughs> it just, it just, like there's no proper way, at least for me, there's no proper way for me to describe every watch. You get something different out of it every single time because there's there's just so much happening and it's not a bad thing. It's just visually it was so different than everything in the market yeah. for its. I mean, even now, I still believe even to this day, it's still different than anything in the market. It deserved the award that it got. It deserved yeah. the accolades because there was nothing like it. D Disney, Pixar, um, DreamWorks. No, I mean, nobody was doing what they literally put together and did. And it's going to be so exciting to see what they do for the second one. I I'm, I'm yeah. just curious and what's <laughs> going to be next. And it was also like like a great entryway to, to Miles. Like so many yes. people... And this is this is one reason why when I made this the Miles Morales book, I wanted it to have like a similarity in look because so many kids were introduced to through you know to Miles through that movie. Um, the comics, so, my God, I'm sure so many yeah. kids were introduced to to the Spider-Man universe because mm -hmm. of that movie. Yeah, and I guess the third one would be I really like the Breadwinner the movie. It's a uh, it's by Cartoon Saloon. It's an Irish. Uh, animation studio yes yes it, I re that, very unique yeah yeah it has a really like you know unique style and uh it takes place in a in an era of like it took place in the middle east uh era like post 9-11 so you can get a little weird it made me cry so much I've liked so much of their other works. The Secret of the Kells, I know, is, is one that I really yeah. enjoy, but like not a lot of people get it just because it has so much <laughs> to do with like the artwork of old yeah. uh, old English yeah. Bibles. So you have to be into that type of artwork. But um, the breadwinner. So, bre so why yeah. did it make you cry? I'm really curious about that. Oh, I mean, it's super sad for one, but <laughs> it just builds up. It builds up. I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but... Uh, it just builds up this like B story of of a hero, and it intertwines with the main story at one point. And then they start telling you once it hits like the very last act, act things they just start throwing things in your face, and, and you're just like, my heart can take this a lot. Anyway, I watched it in a theater here when you know we used to be able to go to theaters, and when once the credits rolled, I was just like straight up crying really hard and. And then they turn on the lights and I was like, oh God, I wasn't even done crying. You're like, no, please hide me. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's just a very different type of story. It's, a, it's more serious. It, it shows you that, you know, we, we can do, you know, serious stories in animation. It doesn't have to be all just like, you know, for kids or for, you know, raunchy kids, uh, yeah. raunchy adult rom-coms. Mm -hmm. it, it can just be something more grounded and 
that deals with serious topics. So like something not so fantastical, like there isn't some weird, mm -hmm. like there isn't some, you know, magic or some like it, there's just something more, like you said, grounded. It, it feels yeah. more real. Yes. Um, and that was kind of, and I, I will tell you, I did have that same experience where I was in the theater and I was inconsolable. And that was with Coco for sure. The end, <laughs> yeah. with the, the end with the grandmother, because I mean, thankfully, you know, I have my grandmother around. So it was just, it was this really just heart wrenching moment from when you first see the grandmother at the beginning of the movie to the end where she's a lot more cognizant in that moment my mom actually brought like a full <laughs> kleenex box like she didn't even play she brought it in her purse because she was like nah this is no no i don't trust this day of the dead movie and she brought a whole kleenex box so all i see as i'm bawling i'm just uh, it's not every like todo. i'm like eh. all i see is this box hit my head <laughs> and i'm like grabbing three or four but things like that in animation are so good for your soul yeah like whether it's wholesome or whether it elicits that type of feeling because i still feel like coco was in essence wholesome at the end because it still had to deal with the family you know book of life my god when you brought that up i was i was just thinking in my brain i watched that movie on repeat as as soon as it came out on dvd just over and over and over and over mm -hmm. and over again learned the songs um tried to figure out all the actors that were in it you know to try to pick out their voices but it was because it was just so unique. And you're right. It was just so what it was. And yeah. I felt like he threw everything. He took he threw, you know, his El Tigre. He threw like everything in the kitchen sink, like even his his own artwork, because it, it also fills that style yeah. at it and just created this this whole world that I mean, now looking at the new work, it, it's just it's so it's just Wow. And so is there anything coming up for you um, that you can share outside of the Mile Morales um, work that you have um, that you're really mm -hmm. excited about or, or just a company that you're, you're working with? Maybe not so much the project itself uh, that you're excited to just kind of be a part of. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know what NDAs have been signed. I'm just okay. here. <laughs> I just exist. Well, currently, I'm, I'm working on a, I'm, I'm on a production for a it's a really, really cute show. Uh, so I, I think it was announced already. So Hamster and Gretel, I think. Hamster I think, and Gretel. Yeah, yeah. It's for it's for for Disney TV. Like I mentioned earlier about the comments, I I have something cooking. I can't really say it. Can't say nothing. Nothing yet, unfortunately. Nothing. Ah, damn. I, yeah, I wish I could, but. Um, no, no, no. Okay, so so let let me reword it because I'm really worried about the Hamster and Gretel not being announced yet. So let me just oh, re ask. It was announced. It okay. was okay. <laughs> so uh, I was like, ah, no, <laughs> I don't need Disney. I mean, if, if they did tell me to, to like not, <laughs> if they told me no to something, I would put it on the wall. I would print out that email. <laughs> but no, they're, um, they're, they, uh, yeah, it's been announced. It's been announced. Um, at least the initial announcement. Um, can't say anything about anything else about it other than, you know, you're excited. I. Yeah, it's you know we're putting a lot of work in it. We have a lot of really good people. Uh, hopefully, it will last. <laughs> hopefully, it will do good. I'm, and I'm crossing like my it. fingers for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I you know I'm slowly moving into graphic novels. I have a, a couple of projects lined up for that. I I hope I can talk more about that as you know the year goes by. 
hopefully. Hoping and crossing my fingers. Yeah, yeah that's, no, that's, pretty, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much it for me. So uh, thank you so much, Pablo Leon, uh, for coming on to the Accordion to Me podcast. Now, where can people get a hold of you if they want to keep up with everything you? <laughs> mm, I'm on Instagram at artsypapster. And same thing with Twitter. I am a little unhinged on Twitter, and I admit that you know you should probably not follow me there. Uh, but <laughs> don't follow him if you can't if you can't take his hot takes. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets a little a little hot sometimes. And it's it was the pandemic. You know what? We all we all lost we all lost our minds, and <laughs> slowly coming back. You know, but. Oh yeah, go ahead yes. and spell it out for the for anyone listening. That way they can they can have it there. Oh, yeah, it will yeah. be in the description. But if you're listening, um, you know how do you spell uh, your username? Yes, it's A R T S Y P A B S T E R. I'm gonna say that the, I'm gonna say that that's what it is. That took a lot of work. <laughs> it's okay, well. but you know what? I I I really always enjoy your hot takes. He's he's <laughs> his 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 hot takes are in line are hotter than a flaming hot Cheeto. So like I said, well, that's not going that one. <laughs> not a, not again. <laughs> not again. Yo yo, don't even open that bag. Literally, do not open that bag. But. But, um, I, I will watch the movie though. Oh the yeah, Archita's movie. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that. I'm gonna Absolutely. read that book from the library. <laughs> <laughs> Because he is coming out with a book. But you guys, thank you uh, so much for listening. And of course, thank you so much, Pablo Leon, for coming on to the Accordion to Be podcast. It was a pleasure to just get all your spiciness. I feel renewed, <laughs> rejuvenated, invigorated. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. And as always, puro amor, puro besos, puro tejano. Thank you for listening to Accordion to Me. The team behind this week's episode includes mixing and editing by Juan Pablo Diaz, theme music by Rodrigo Montalvo, produced by Javi G from MD Media. In-person recordings were done at the Potify Studios and remotely through Riverside FM. Accordion to Me is distributed through Anchor, and you can stream Accordion to Me wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host and executive producer, Veronique Medrano. Puro amor. Puro besos, puro Tex-Mex.